right, so, guys, our first resurrection story uh, comes from the Old Testament. In fact, we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. And uh, if you brought a Bible, I'm in 2 Kings 13. Again, if you've got your sermon notes, uh, it's right there at the top of, of your digital sermon notes. You can click on it. Um, but I'm also, for those at home, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to put it on the screen, full screen, so you can follow along. And this is what the Word of the Lord says. 2 Kings 13, starting in verse 14, says, When Elisha had become sick with the illness from which he died, King Jehoash of Israel went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha responded, Get a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, Grasp the bow. So the king grasped it. And Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. Uh, Elisha said, Open the east window. So he opened it. Elisha said, Shoot. So he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, yes, the arrow of victory over Aram, you are to strike down the Arameans in Aphek until you have put an end to them. Then Elisha said, take the arrows, so he took them. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground, so he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to them, but now you will strike them down, uh, strike down Aram only three times. Get this, here's where our story picks up, ready? Then Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to come into the land in the spring of the year. Once as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a raiding party, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. When he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and stood up. The man revived and said, that's our first resurrection story. You go, that is weird, Pastor. That's strange. What are we supposed to get from that? Well, I'll give you some background and I'll talk about what I think we can learn from that. So here, here is the background. This is that, that season in Israel's life when the kingdom has been divided. And Jehoash is king of the northern kingdom, right? And, and some terrible atrocities go on in the northern kingdom that goes all the way back to, to uh, an evil king named Jeroboam who didn't want his citizens traveling to Jerusalem to worship, thought that they would then join the southern kingdom. So he built his own temple in the north and, uh, and he created, uh, get this, golden calves for the people to bow down. Are you kidding me? Serious, created golden calves for them to sacrifice to and bow down to. And the people bought it. And so he created his own priestly class. Now, Jeroboam did more sight, uh, more evil in the sight of the Lord than anyone else, right? And so listen, uh, if, you, if you study uh, 2 Kings 13, what it says is that Jehoash uh, actually kind of followed in those footsteps. It says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So Jehoash is an evil king, but here's what he knows. He knows that the only prophet that, that has, has served the nation of Israel during his lifetime is about to die. Elisha, the man of God, is about to die. And Jehoash, because they've separated and the Lord has removed his hand of protection, the northern kingdom is just being assailed by, uh, by the Arameans. Okay? They, they, they constantly are raiding and attacking them. And, and so Jehoash is like, hey man, I need help. Before the man of God dies, I'm going to go ask him if he'll pray for us, basically. And so, so he goes to Elisha going, hey, like, we need some help uh, because Aram is kicking our tail. Right? 
And that's why he says, oh, great man of God, all the chariots of Israel. And so that's paying him homage and respect. So, so Elisha says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Go get a bow and arrow and open, open the window towards Aram. We're going to shoot out the, the, Lord's, uh, the Lord's arrow of victory. Uh, and then, of course, he says, now, now put, put the rest of them in the ground. He only puts three. So he's like, you'll defeat Aram three times, but, but not so much to the end. Uh, and, and then Elisha dies. And then Elisha dies. So after Elisha dies, what happens? Well, uh, there were seasons of rain. And once the rain was done, then it would be the time for conquest. It would be the season of war. And so here's what we believe. It, we've now entered that season. We've now entered that season. That's kind of where we pick up our story. That's what's going on. That's why it's important that this resurrection happens with the bones of Elisha. And so what do we learn for it? I think there's two things. I think there's two things, both really cool. Here's the first thing I think this teaches us, ready, is that God's promises will not fail. That God's promises will not fail. And, and so the thing uh, scholars get to kind of battle with is, man, why, why did this happen? Why did God choose uh, to, to have this man resurrected by the bones of Elisha after Elisha was dead? Well, well here's what we think. This is our best guess. Is, is, well, what was the king of Israel doing? Right? The king has, has gone to Elisha. Elisha said, hey, listen, uh, here's how it's going to go down. Um, you're going you're gonna to defeat Aram. But guess what? The man of God's now dead. Right? The man of God is now dead. And, and, and now the king of Israel, uh, Jehoshaphat, is kind of like, I, I, I don't know. Do you, do you think? I mean, it's time to go to battle. And he's kind of wondering, I, I wonder if the Lord's still really with us or did the promise die with Elisha? Right? And so what does God do? Well, God allows the season of war to come, and there's just a standard funeral service going on. This is, this is not anybody special, just a standard funeral service going on, and here comes a raiding party. So, so imagine you're, you're living back in the day, and a raiding party comes. You don't want to die or be taken captive, and so even though that's maybe a loved one, you're like, whoop, and you're, you're taking off because you're going to join them if you don't get out of there. So they take the dead man, they throw him in to Elisha's, uh, where, where Elisha's bones are. It wasn't sealed. Uh, and, and when his body, the dead man's body, hits the bones of Elijah, he comes back to life and he's got to be like, wait up, I'm out of here too. He said, man, that's the weirdest story I've ever heard. Why would God do that? And here's our belief. The reason why God did that is because God knew what the king of Israel was thinking. You think, you, you think my word's not good? And what God is showing the king of Israel is the same thing I think he wants to show you and I, is, is listen, his promises are alive and well. If God makes you a promise, that promise will not fail. Uh, when Joshua was facing his last days on earth, he decided to speak to the nation of Israel. So he, he collects the nation before him, much like Moses had done, when you think about that. So, so uh, Joshua collects the nation before him. And here's what he says to them in Joshua 23, 14. He says, I'm now going the way of the whole earth. And, and you know, get this, you know with all your heart and with all your soul, ready, that none of the good promises of the Lord your God made to you has failed. Read on. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. That's huge. Do you know how many promises God made his kids about the promised land? And Joshua was reminding Israel, not a single one of those has failed. So you hang on. So you have hope. 
God doesn't fail when it comes to his promises. Paul picked up on that in, in 2 Corinthians. This is what he says. He's like, Jesus is proof of that, by the way. He says, for every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. He's literally saying every promise of God, you can just say amen to because you can take it to the bank. And Jesus is proof of that. Jesus is proof of that, that God keeps his promises. That's the first lesson I, I think we take from, from, from this first resurrection we come into. This weird, So Elisha died, there's a funeral, guy gets thrown on the bones of Elisha, comes back to life. What does that mean for me? Well, it, it's proof God's promises never fail. That's what God was trying to teach the king of Israel, that his promise was alive and well. And I want you to know that God's promises are still alive and well today. Okay, so that's where we start. Second thing I want you to know this morning, guys, is that God can use you long after your time on earth is through. God can use you long after your time on earth is through. And, and so, I mean, the story, pretty straightforward. I mean, Elisha is dead. Did, did you catch what the man was thrown on? He was thrown on his bones, right? He was thrown on his bones. And, and, and God chose uh, to use... Now, Elisha had actually been a part of, of raising someone else from the dead earlier in his life. Uh, and, and God chooses to use Elisha in this powerful way, right? This powerful reminder of how God had used him. And, and like God used that for his own glory, used the, the, the bones of Elisha. But the same is really true in a, in a bigger sense with all of our lives, isn't it? Think, think about the fact we're sitting this morning in church. Now, some of us are having church differently. Your, you, your church looks like a couch right now. We're, we're having church, and we're doing that because of a guy that looked at Jesus and said, I declare that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Right? And so every time we walk through the doors, we should think of people like Peter or, or Paul for that reason. Right, who, who wrote half of the New Testament. Paul, the, the great opposer of the people of the faith, the great, great opposer of, of the way of Christianity, and then became the greatest supporter that launched uh, mission churches, which again is why we're here, bringing the Gentiles in the fold. Right? Think about those people. Think about anybody from Hebrews chapter 11. Right? The Hall of Fame of, of Faith, of Abraham and Isaac and Sarah. All, all of the heroes of the Bible, men and women alike, you, you, those people, all oh, God is still using them today to inspire us. Amen? We read their stories and we go, yeah, man. I, I, I mean, who doesn't read about the, the, the love of, of someone like Ruth and say, man, I, I want to love somebody like that? Right? Who, who, who doesn't look at somebody and go, yeah, that's who I want to be? Who, who doesn't look at, at the courage of Joshua and go, man, that's the kind of person of faith that I want to be? Right? Who doesn't, who doesn't look at, at somebody like David that has such trust in God that he's like, yeah, I know that dude's over nine feet tall and I don't give a rip. Who doesn't want to be that? Right? Their, their stories still affect us to this day. And that's what I'm saying. I think one of the reasons that God chooses to use the bones of Elisha, that he lets him die first, because he wants to remind us that our stories aren't over when our life on earth is through. That God can still use us. Now, now that is a, a great blessing, but I want you to know it can also be a curse. It demands something of you. And so let's give you some application, I'll let you go. 
Alright? Here's the first thing I, I think this story challenges us to do. is First and foremost, I think it challenges us to trust God and to live in faith. To trust God and, and to live in faith. What, what, was, what was God's message? Why has this happened? Well, he's telling the king of Israel, yeah, yeah, my promise is still alive. And guess what? The same is true for us. And, and, and friends, we have to believe that God is alive, that He is active, that, that He can do it again, that He can still split the seas, that He can still sustain us, that he can, he, he can still, like everything that He's promised will come true. Jesus is coming back. The world is going to be restored. I'm living for purpose and, and mission. So like all those things matter. So we've got to trust God and live in faith. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to live with a purpose. We have to live in order to leave a legacy. We have to live in order to leave a legacy. We've got to be willing to live with purpose, with intentionality, to make a difference, to have the long mindset, right? I'm not living for just the here and now. I'm not just living for my property values, man. I'm living to have an impact that, that lasts way after I'm gone. Way after I'm gone. And, and again, we, we think of great people that have impacted our life. I'm sure you can think of somebody that was faithful and their name isn't found in the Bible. Amen? A grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, a friend. And they impacted you. And, and, and guys, that should be our aim too, that we're living in such a way. Our intent has nothing to do with just this, this temporary stuff. And we're pouring into people a love that will last a truth that will stand the test of time. We're always pointing people back to Jesus, believing that even if our time on earth is through, that we'll see those people again. That's, that's living that kind of life. But here's, here's the kicker. Man, to do that, it's going to cost you. So that's the last thing I want to challenge you with. Is I, I, I want you to make sure that you don't trade your witness for the temporary trappings of this world. I want to make sure that you don't trade your witness for the temporary trappings of this world. And it's unfortunate, a lot of folks forget this, right? A lot of folks forget this, man. They just get caught up, and man, this world wants you. Man, it wants your attention, it wants your devotion, and, and, and man, that stuff, like you think, man, no, it's, it's just a little thing, and it's never just a little thing. And before you know it, everything you work for is gone. There's too many stories out there of pastors that faithfully, uh, seemingly serve the Lord for years and years and years only to completely blow it at the end. Only to completely blow it at the end. You don't have to look far to see that. But here's what I want to challenge you with, guys, is you can, you, can, you can try to have comfort in the fact, well, those were pastors, but the Bible actually says we're all ministers. We're all ministers of the gospel. So, so the fact that you may not do this vocationally doesn't get you off the hook when it comes to Jesus. You're all ministers of the gospel. And that means that we have that same responsibility. Everyone carries that same weight that we can blow it too. And people who look to you for influence, who, who you've pointed towards the Lord, there is the potential you could blow it and you could make them question everything they ever thought. That's why Paul says, I live differently. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, 27, he says, So I, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That's the kind of thing we're talking about, church. All right? So, weird story, right? 
Anybody think it's a little, little strange? A little strange, our first resurrection story. Wait till next week's another strange story. You may have heard it before, but it'll be worth it. Uh, but I think there's lessons for us to learn there. Um, we're going to have a couple announcements, then I'm going to pray for us. I want you to know, kind of because of the weather, we're not going to do our discussion groups this morning. Uh, we just, we'd rather do that on a, on a dry, sunny day, not to mention our kids play in the field, and that's just a mud pie right now. So we're not going to do that this morning. Uh, but we do have a couple uh, quick announcements. So I'll do the first. Uh, we'll throw up on the screen, full screen for those at home. Uh, our special business meeting is postponed. And so let me explain what that is. We still, I, we still have a pretty exciting, uh, like I, I told you guys, hey, we've got some exciting news. We've got an offer that we want to share with you guys. Still want to do that. But there were two components to that meeting. One was the offer, which is awesome. We want to share with you guys. The other component, we were waiting on some numbers uh, in, in regards to construction. And, and the best I could say is... Um, that we, we got some differing numbers. We got a couple different numbers, actually, all in one weekend. And, and before I would present anything to you, like, we want to be sure in that. And so, um, if you'll give us some grace, give us a, a I, I don't know how long to tell, give us a little bit. Give us a little bit just to sort through that so that when we come to the church, we can present a, a clear picture of where we think the Lord's leading, uh, those kind of things. So if you'll give us a little grace, I'm so sorry. I know some of you set your schedules around this. Jens, dude, I owe you. I, lunch this week, dude, it's on me. You just let me know, okay? Um, anybody else that was in that group, let me know because you'll have to eat with Jens and I. I'm only doing this once. Uh, so... Uh, but but I, I, if you'll just give us a little grace, like I said, guys, uh, I, I wouldn't be concerned at this point. I do encourage you to pray, um, but these are big things, man. When, when God starts to lay some of the stuff before us that we feel like he's laying before us, all these things are going to require faith. And uh, one of the things that I could tell you is our constant prayer list around here, everybody on staff, Lord, grant us wisdom. And so you could join us in that. We definitely appreciate that. Um, but don't freak out. Don't freak out, okay? The pastor just said, don't freak out. I'm going to freak out. No, don't freak out. Uh, the, 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 the news is still really, really good. But we just, man, we, when I get two sets of numbers in one weekend, that, that, I have no comfort level with that. So we're going to work through some things. We'll come back to you as soon as we get that, okay? Miss Catherine. Well, good morning, everyone. Who was thrown off by the time change today? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get into the swing of it soon, but we have a few big announcements we want to share with you guys. So to start off with, this, way, this week is spring break for a lot of people, so we are going to not have our Wednesday night services this week, but we will resume them the following week. And then as well, we are talking about VBS, getting so excited to be able to share the good news of the gospel of Christ with kiddos and families this summer. So we would love for you guys to join us next week for a VBS meeting for volunteers after the 11 o'clock service. We'll meet outside and have a little lunch and talk about what we can do this summer. Um, also, summer camp is upon us. We're thinking about it, and uh, we sent out a big email to everyone this week, so be sure to check your email with lots of details on it on when we want the deposit in, I think we said April 11th, as well as registration. I wanted to give you a, an update on registration. Uh, the summer camp contacted us and let us know that they are actually switching their entire system for registration over in two weeks. So you can register now, but I will be sending out a whole new set of information in a few weeks on what we need to do with their new system. But 
Regardless, please be praying with us about summer camp. We already have a ton of kiddos interested, and we're excited to go. So if you have any questions, please contact either myself or Franklin. All right, here's Pastor Jason. All right, all right. So guys, I'm going to pray for us. I pray uh, you have a wonderful week. Uh, For those that are on spring break, may the Lord bless you and keep you. For those that aren't, just remember when you were a child. It's okay. Um, It'll be all right. It'll be all right. For parents who have children that are now on spring break, I'll be praying. Um, Father, thank you for loving us. Thanks for allowing us to gather. God, um, it is so good to worship with your people in this place. Um, For our our people that are at home, that are all over the place, Lord, um, I, I pray for the day that we can all be here safely, without worry, without concern, worshiping together. Uh, Till that point, would you continue to unite our hearts in love and our minds in purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Goodbye to our at-home folks. We love you guys. Goodbye.